Something's happening. It's moving. It's pandemonium here. Welcome to Status. I'm Paula Messina here with Fadi Baki, aka The Fids. He is a filmmaker, comic book writer, and animator, co-founder of Samandal Comics. He has worked with Beirut Animated, the Lebanese Animation Film Festival, and he is the director of Last Days of the Man of Tomorrow. Um, in this short film, a young filmmaker investigates the legend of Manivel, an automaton gifted to Lebanon in 1945 that still haunts an abandoned mansion in Beirut. After being coaxed back into the limelight, the people who know him come forward to speak out, and the myth that Manivel has constructed around himself starts to unravel. So, Fadi, thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you. I just wanted first to get into kind of like the title of the film. Is this a deliberate reference to the Superman storyline? Mm. You know, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow? <laughs> that was God. the first thing I you, thought you of. You know about that story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's one of my favorite stories, yeah. Very few people. I mean, there's. Um, it is. It is. It's. Uh, Alan Moore is like one of my idols, and that is one of my favorite stories. And I basically, I I stole it. I'm like, there's a, there's only me and a friend who we know, like we know and love this comic a lot. He's like, you just stole that title. I'm like, yeah, yeah it's an homage. But yeah, and um, it's also like an Arabic. It sort of works in a different way. It's it kind of feels shorter than the English one. So yeah, kind of. In English, it's homage. In Arabic, it's original title. Um, Are there any parallels in the story or in like these figures, Superman, Manivel? I mean, totally. It's uh, it's basically the idea of this sort of character that's sort of at least um, that's what it's pitched at. It's like this is the this is what you should aspire to. This is the new man, you know, the nouvel homme. And in the world of the um, of the film, it's what the French sort of like when they gift this onto the Lebanese. Almost like, well, we're going to give you something that you can aspire to because, you know, we're going to leave you, but this is how we see you eventually, you know, becoming. And so it was really about sort of creating that image and then sort of deconstructing it. Kind of like Alan Moore likes to do, but yeah, it's uh, sort of about putting that image up and then sort of really like letting it play out in the history and seeing kind of how that sort of takes a life that's, you know, not very... Not, well, it doesn't fulfill the promise, I guess. Mm-hmm. And can we talk just a little bit about Manivel himself? Like, how did he come to be, both, you know, as an animated figure, but also who is he? Like, where did he start? Where did he come from? What's his origin story? So, I mean, in the story, in the world of the story uh, of the film, is that um, the idea was that the, the French, they, they like to give these presents. Like, the, always, like, started from the... You know, Statue of Liberty. It was like, who would build this giant statue and ship it? So it was, it was sort of like that. It was that grandiose, you know, sort of, we're still an empire, we can do this. And, um, you know, and it was like sort of, uh, and obviously like it's a take on, on, a, on a colonial sort of identity that's around the country and stuff like that. So yeah, it really came from Lebanon is taking its independence and the French would sort of, would sort of do that kind of a pretentious move. So when it started from that, uh, in, the, in the world of story, it really sort of were like, okay, if it comes to Lebanon, what would they do? Of course, it would stay at the presidential palace. Of course, everyone would be using it for their own, um, you know, like uh, cocktail parties and photo, photo opportunities. The story continues as, the, as a robot invariably does. It, you know, gains sentience. And then how it actually becomes 
a figure throughout the history of Lebanon. So that's the story of the film. And the way that we came up with it was, I mean, that's all I grew up on, was sort of robots. And I think also, like, being in Lebanon, you, you get this um, hybrid culture. We had, you know, American TV shows, but Japanese cartoons. And then, you know, American comics written by British authors, you know? And so it really, like, this hybridity really, like, sort of fed into my childhood. And a big part of it is robots. I make no qualms about it. It's the first... Beirut animated, we just put Grindizer on the, the front. Grindizer <laughs> is like this uh, Japanese anime um, that was super popular in the 70s and 80s, in most of the Arab world. And it was always like, okay, how do we do a robot? What's a robot story like in the Middle East? So again, that was the sort of the germ of the idea. What would happen? How can we sort of do um, science fiction and specifically like this sort of robot science fiction? What would it, what would it be like? And yeah, and then there's a confluence of all my, you know, life hang-ups also get poured into it. But that's kind of the idea. Well, what do you mean by that? I mean, so we came up with the idea. It's like, okay, robots and they're cool. It's like a colonial sort of present, stuff like that. And then the, the idea just sat around. It was just sort of like this funny idea. But really, for me, like what happened was uh, like a few months later, I had like a panic attack. And so I was telling you, it was like I, I suffer from insomnia. And so it's always like four or five in the morning and I get really existential. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? And that question really fed into, into Manivel, which is, uh, what am I doing with my life? And it was really like sort of about, okay, well, here's a character that has to live with this reputation. And it's almost like you're born with a dream that's attached to you. He's born into his own myth. And it's a lot to live up to. And it really like sort of that fed into, you know, like, the, again, there's always, like, things that you're supposed to be doing. There's things, like, some potential mm -hmm. that you're supposed to be achieving, and you always feel, like, this difference between them. And um, that was sort of, like, for me, that's what solidified the character. I'm like, of course, that is sort of the character of Manivelle. It's somebody who's, you know, suffering under the burden of this this myth and and making all the wrong decisions along the way on how to deal with it, you know, how to deal with his own... Um, mistakes and his own his own history, where he constantly sort of confuses his myth with with the history and sort of, and so it really became interesting. And of course, like the element of the robot and how you can sort of go back and re-edit your own history and retell the history. So that that's sort of where it all came together. So there's a bit of Manivelle, a bit of Elmour, a bit of you know Grindizer. Mm -hmm. It's all kind of in there. I was really interested in this idea. I, I heard some of your other interviews that you mentioned this is not science fiction, it's chaos fiction. And I'm interested in how you've been trying to like associate it to the film. And like for me, Manivelle is like this embodiment kind, kind of of like this chaos. Like in the, even in the way he looks, he's just like this mishmash of things and his life is a mess in the end. So like, uh, like can you just explain this term and kind of like how it relates to the film? So, I mean, the idea of um, science fiction is it's sort of like magic with science these days, right? Like, I mean, the magical part of, uh, of whatever story is, is informed by technology and science. So that's, that's how we sort of tell these stories. And so science fiction tends to be about how we can sort of imagine different, you know, like dealing with whatever anxieties that we have as society or as people and then... Uh, you know, like uh, seeing how technology can push these things in certain directions. 
And I was always very uncomfortable about this idea. I mean, it really comes from industrialized societies. It comes from, you know, like a Western sort of understanding or, uh, or well, Eastern again in, in anime. But it's, it's really like foreign to our culture. And so it was something that I was always struggling with. And it just didn't feel right to say that somebody here invented like a living, breathing robot. It just is like, no. And, and it was more about sort of getting this thing um, that comes to life. And it almost, like, I, I almost didn't want to, I didn't want to deal with it. It just comes to life. And that's not the story. <laughs> we want to move on from there. But of course, the way that it comes to life is through the sort of chaos that we find in Lebanon. It's not electricity. It's not like some sort of, it's somebody spills coffee on him. <laughs> and, uh, and so we don't know. And then some guy tries to fix him and he puts stuff in there and it's it's like the way that things work in Lebanon you don't give you know the plumbers fixing your electricity sort of thing and you know and so it comes to life and that's that's sort of I'm like yeah well that's the way that we would have our science fiction there's no science it's more chaos and that's where the sort of the story starts and no one's buying that chaos fiction title but I'm going for it <laughs> no keep pushing for it I'm, I'm buying I'll be the first one um, and so, you know, around the character of Manivelle, like you mentioned, this repairman, this Armenian repairman, um, and there's him and there's a director, and I'm wondering, you know, what about these characters? Like, how did you choose them to be a part of the story? Well, let's start backwards. For me, I think the, the role of the director was... Um naturally there we needed like a sort of in on this story and it again came from like my sort of experience with um i used to i was making a documentary about a character in lebanese history called dr dahish are you familiar with him dr dahish is our local rasputin and mm -hmm. um i mean a lot of the work that I, he's a real person um his house still exists um, and there's these stories about him everywhere, like you go to, specifically if you go to a barber, apparently Dr. Dehish would go, there'd be a queue and he would remove his head, leave it on the table, you know, and tell them, just give me a light cut on the back and I'll be back to pick up my head. So you can go to, especially like old barbers around here, they all know Dr. Dehish and they'll tell you the story and they'll swear it happened to them. And um, so I was doing like a documentary, I was trying to do a documentary about him for two years. <clears throat> there was a lot of research that sort of happened and uh, a lot of that went into the character of Manivel. And this sort of dynamic of, you know, like there's me, you know, Dr. Dash was in the 40s and there was always like me going into like the history of Lebanon and trying to peel apart these layers. And this is sort of where the character of the director came from, where it was like the sort of younger generation that's trying to connect with these older myths. And specifically with the story of Manivel, where he was, you know, a relic that will never die, but he's still there. And it's almost, in the, again, the world of this film, nobody cares about Manivel anymore. They got used to him, and he's almost uh, like, uh, you know, like this abandoned uh, castle. Which is Bshar al-Khuri's castle, our first president, is right next door, that's his castle. And it's abandoned, it's still there, and it's like, there's so much history. But we just pass it by and probably like flick a cigarette into there and not think about it. So that's where the, the, the this idea of this uh, younger generation sort of trying to go to this old myth and almost not knowing, you know, what are all the, like people from, from that time, and this is where the character of the repairman, the, the, uh, the Armenian repairman comes from. He's the opposite. He's someone that actually lived uh, the story of Manivel. And 
she discovers that. She, 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 discovers, she thinks she's going to tell the story of Manivelle, and then she discovers that actually it's a story of Vartan and Manivelle, and what happened between these two. And, mm-hmm. and it's almost, again, something that, by the end of the movie, that she realizes that it's not so easy to pass like a, um, a quick judgment on it. Which we do always, again, as a younger generation, you never know. You never know what you're talking about. You're always like, um, you know, so this rubbish would never have another, another civil war again. And suddenly you find yourself in the middle of another civil war. And you're like, well, I did the same thing my parents did without knowing. So there was a bit of that. And that was sort of like where the triangulation of characters uh, came from, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the Smith and then the real, like his only friend probably, or slash father. Um, and, uh, you know, this person that's trying to discover the story of what happened between these two. Well, I don't know. I was just curious kind of about Vartan as a character in himself. Did he come from somewhere? Like, why? Like, I don't know. He's such a strong character for me. He left a really strong, like, impression on me. And I kind of wanted to hear more about what... I'm glad. I'm uh-huh. really happy that... Yeah, for me, I think I, in many ways he carries the film. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of it had to do with the work of Hossam Sabah, the guy who played him. He mm-hmm. gives, like, an amazing performance. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was... Yeah, at some points, like when we were editing the film, I didn't have that. I wasn't having those scenes. And it really only came alive when we sort of put Vartan in there. And you're like, yeah, that's the backbone of the story. So really, I would credit a lot of it to Hussam, who just gives like amazing, amazing performance. So, I mean, for casting, I'm, I'm a bit... I feel bad because this is basically an Armenian character that's not played by an Armenian. <laughs> it's something that I'm like, oh, no... Um, I'm Arab washing. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. But um, I mean, he was basically the best guy to play the role. We needed somebody that was at a certain age that looked a certain way. And uh, I'm like, he looks like Geppetto, this man. <laughs> you know, it's perfect. That's true. And uh, um, so, yeah, it's it, it sort of came about, I mean, this friendship sort of... Um, Part of it was a joke. It's almost like, uh, you know, somebody that needs to fix him. Who fixes stuff here? You just go to Bashamud and fix everything there. And so that, that's sort of how it started. And, um, and then very quickly I found that, that he was really like a human part of the story. And there was something that was, I mean, there was, there was a, so many like refractions of this uh, dynamic between his father and son sort of dynamic in the way mm-hmm. he gives him life. But at the same time, he's his... He's his friend. When when it starts out, um, they're friends, and um, and then there's this sort of you know this character that believes its own myth, and it's almost maybe almost like Vartan's mistake is that he took him took him to the movies too soon, you know, and mm-hmm. then uh, and this robot starts believing um, the the stories about that it sees rather than you know. And again, I mean, this, this comes back to, to sort of Manivelle, where it's really like you, the moment that you open your eyes, is people are clapping for you. And I'm, it's, I'm like, this is, a, this is basically one of those child actors who like are born into celebrity and, you know, you're, that's it. You're warped for the rest of your life. And so Vartan sort of was this, this character that... that he doesn't live on, he grows old, but this robot sort of stays the same because he's a robot and he'll never die. And what happens? What happens to, you know, when this, when something has happened between these two and then one person's going to outlive the, the other? And it's almost like this, there's this one person whose story will kind of die with him, 
because he's going to pass away. And then the only revenge he can have upon this other person is to not fix him, you know? And it was almost like this cycle that was going to just continue on forever. And it was, it was fascinating that way. It was just really like the, the weight of those mistakes. And then when you amplify it by the power of the robot and this immortal robot, it's like, okay, there's something that was, you know, heavy. And yeah, and, and Hussam sort of really was able to, to get this idea across. No, definitely. His yeah. performance was really, really left a mark. Crucial. I thought it was yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah. And then I wanted to kind of go over the process from like pre-production to like, you know, getting everything ready to film. You filmed it all in, in Beirut? Um, most of it. And we shot some stuff in Germany. So oh. we, got, we got most of our funding from Germany. Um, it was part of the Robert Bosch uh, Stiftung, which is basically this prize for uh, German-Lebanese uh, co-productions. And, uh, and then we got more funding also from Germany, and, uh, which sort of forced um, the production to be sort of between both countries, which gave us the amazing opportunity to have this robot built by, you know, one of the, the most amazing like practical effects uh, uh, houses in Germany. And so there's this, this crazy, amazing person called Chris, Chris Kunzman. And he's like, guys, if you get your funding, I'll, I'll do this. And he stuck to it. And it's, you know, I think the thing with this movie is I never thought it was going to be a movie. It was written as a comic because it was just so expensive. You know, nobody was going to mm -hmm. be able to make it. And then when we got that fund, I remember actually the next day I started panicking and I turned to like my, my producer. I'm like, we have to do this now. And he's like, yeah, we'll do it. I'm like, you have no idea what we're getting into. I have no idea. I have, you know, like vague form of how we're going to do this, but how are we going to do it? And so it was a long process. It took uh, three years to, to do it. I mean, there's a year of writing and rewriting and we're straddling a lot of stuff. Was The robot was built on Skype and we had these Skype problems where sometimes I'd get a photo, and then when I saw it live, I'm like, no, his head's too small. It needs to be like 80% bigger. They're like, but you okayed it on Skype. I'm like, I can't tell what it looks like on Skype. It looked right. And so that's what happened. Like, uh, we built the robot um, um, as a giant animatronic suit and then as a, a, a puppet. And we, we basically had to play a lot of tricks uh, on in bringing this together. And we shot a lot of the green screen in Germany. But then most of the stuff that's walking around in, in, in Beirut was shot live here, which was the, I mean, this is what we got out of having like a practical effect. I mm -hmm. never thought we'd do it that way because at first I thought it was all going to be animation. It's the only way that we can do it. And uh, when we actually got the costume and it looked fantastic, I'm like, we can just put him in the street and, you know, <laughs> that's it. It's fine. And that's basically how it went about. We, um, we shot... And then I got really depressed because I realized, every... so I, I do this kind of work. I, I sort of work in, in a bit, of, I do mm -hmm. a bit of uh, visual effects and um, animation and, and I kind of knew what I was getting into. And when I do it I, for other people, it's fine. It's like I, you do a few shots for somebody else. But what I didn't count on at all is that I could not, I didn't have like performances. We shot and then we'd go back and you have things on green screen that have no sound, that have puppeteers in the background where you see the guy's sneakers below and there's nothing real about it. I'm like, this is rubbish. What did we shoot, you know? 
it took a lot of work and we were editing and I was just forlorn. I'm like, it's not real. And it really wasn't until we put the sound effects on him, gave him a voice. I had to do his voice the whole time. That That's terrible. You don't want to watch a movie with your, your voice. voice. Yeah, it's, oh, it's awful. And so Manivelle's voice is your voice. N- now it's not. Oh, it, now. It was like, you know, we found like a real, oh. <laughs> real voice actor. Um, but at a, for a time, his was my voice and then Vartan was my voice. Because when we're editing, we had to... We're editing with placeholder stuff, so we just have like a still photo of Barton and me talking to Manivel with my voice. And to everyone, it was, it was a nightmare. It was like a hall of mirrors. I'm like, what have I done? And it wasn't really, it wasn't until his voice started coming out and his body, which looks like it's metal, but it's all styrofoam and squeaky. And when those happened, that's, it, it was like in the last month where I'm like, oh, that kind of works. And I'm still surprised when people watch the film and they go, wow, it looks so believable. I'm like, no, it's all, you know, sneakers and, you know, squeaky cardboard. And it's, that's, uh, yeah, for me, it's a revelation. And that happened in the last month. But yeah, no, it's just amazing what you, like with the work of the, the German. So he made the man-sized it's robot. It's more two man-sized. It was like two and a half meters tall. Mm. Um, so it, again, it was like a, it was a, concerted effort by a bunch of people the designer of the cost the, the designer of Manivel is mm-hmm. a friend of mine Omar Khouri mm-hmm. who works with me in Samandal and he sort of designed the look of of Manivel in this many different stages and then uh, this guy uh, Chris had to actually make it and uh, he did it and we mm-hmm. couldn't believe it and then at some point they're like look maybe we were we're gonna build like three costumes for every different period and then at some point they're like, mm, it's going to be too expensive. We're not, you know, it's a short film. We don't have mm-hmm. the budget. What if we do it as a puppet? And I'm like, really? As a puppet? That's awesome. I'd love to do that. And, uh, and then again, you realize that a puppet means that there's five people controlling him. And the logistics of it uh, were, you know, always between here and there. There was like puppeteers puppeteering like one piece of the the action in Germany and then we had to find archival footage and mm-hmm. my poor editor had to like match the, the shots you know and so it was it's I think a very ambitious short film that's I think what that's one of its merits it's we kind of everyone was sort of working way over time like and just doing it because they kind of believed mm-hmm. in the story but you wouldn't do this kind of work for a short film. And I think we tricked everyone into it, starting with myself. We're going to do this. And then you're like, oh my God, how are we going to do this? <laughs> my, I really wanted to ask you about those scenes that are take place in the present with Manivel and a director going around Beirut together. Like you're on some kind of truck, like some bus, mm. like maybe a two-decker bus or something. Yeah. I don't know what it was. Any mobile. The Manny-mobile. So how was shooting that? Like, I was very curious as I was watching. Like, so these, I mean, you saw people reacting in real time, right? Again, in the world of the movie, like, Manivel's story was supposed to be that, you know, this was uh, this thing that happened in the 1940s. And either people know his story and don't particularly like him, or people don't know his story and then react to him as, you know... The way that we react, like we normalize these these things that are around us, you know, like the this castle, this dilapidated castle. And so I, the way it was written was people don't care about Manivel. Um, they're used to seeing him and sort of 
stepping around him the way that, you know, we have like these Syrian refugees that are like begging on the street and you kind of have to pick your way around them because you just want to continue your day. So it was, it, it was that, that's what I wanted, but I was worried. I'm like, how are we going to do this? How do we go and take this two and a half meter robot and shoot that, you know? And um, we put him on the truck and we're worried. We're like, okay, if people start, you know, just going crazy around it, then we have to find, you know, we'll go somewhere else and, and get actors. And very quickly we realized that the, no one cares. It's not that no one cares. I feel, I said this to a friend of mine, it almost feels like in Lebanon, I don't know, it was a bit sad. It felt like we're used to that uh, having so many things that are sort of prohibited, like you can't go there, you can't take photographs of this, you can't. And it was almost like people saw this and sort of just went, uh-huh, okay, you're doing your thing, I just need to do my thing. It, it, it was exactly the reaction that, that we needed. So it was really just sort of people just, eh, okay, that's Manivelle again, you know, blocking the road or trying to do this thing and getting in our way, which is really what we wanted. Surprisingly, it was pretty easy to do that shoot. Mm -hmm. So I it mean, just worked out in that way. I saw people were curious, but they didn't want to interfere, basically. Yeah, I really feel like that there's so many things that are off limits in Beirut that, you know, mm -hmm. you're, you're like, hey, why are you parking here? Why are you taking a photograph of that? And just everyone sort of looked at it and walked on. It's like, okay, I don't want any trouble. And you had to get a permit to film that? Like what? That And that was... Yeah, it's a regular filming mm -hmm. permit. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was... It really, it was kind of bizarre. It was kind of bizarre. Mm -hmm. At some point, we're like, okay, we need to fake now a crowd that are ogling <laughs> him. How do we do that? <laughs> but yeah, it, um, it was easier than we thought. Uh, I mean, for, for that specific aspect, I remember, I think the actor was going to die in that costume. The guy that was inside, mm -hmm. was, it's a nightmare. They can't see, the, they, they literally can't see. So his eyes are sort of in his... The, the actor's eyes come up to his the character's throat. Mm -hmm. And it's really obscured by a bunch of things. And so he can't really make eye contact. He has very limited movement. And it was hot in December. And he was like, guys, I'm cooking in here. <laughs> I'm just cooking it. So there's like 40 kilos of styrofoam on top of me. It's really hot. It's like, yeah, just one more round around the city. Come on. <laughs> we need someone to give us a reaction. Okay. <laughs> And then in terms of like the reception, where you've shown the film, like I saw it at the Metropolis at the Leban at a Lebanese short film festival, but where have you shown it and like where are you, where, where is it going next? Um, it had its premiere at, uh, in Austin, in Fantastic uh, Film Fest, which is so cool. I wish I could, I could have been there. It was too far and too expensive, but um, that's where the premiere happened. Um, but it was almost like, you know, a tree falls in the middle of the forest and... No one I knew was there to hear it. I'm like, what happened? What ha I don't know what it was like. So it played there. It played in Germany. Um, in a, in a, in a, there was a premiere in a, in a festival. And then the first time I saw it was in Dubai with a crowd. And really that was, that was sort of the moment where I'm like, wow, people are reacting nicely to this. You know, I got, I got like a really good vibe. And that was the first time that I started liking my movie because I came out of it. I was I was gone. I was like, oh my god, I'm sorry guys, I've been working on this for a long time, sorry. And it was really only seeing it in a room full of people in Dubai that sort of, you know, made me realize, okay, it's maybe it's connecting on some level. And then after that we screened it in Beirut and in Metropolis and that was fantastic. That really 
I, I don't think I was counting on, on getting so emotional and um, 600 people crowded for a short film, that, that was really something for me. And uh, I think the way that it connected with people um, really made, made me realize also that, that, you know, I was like, okay, this is very much a movie. Obviously, it's from Lebanon, but it, this is the, I mean, people were connecting to the sort of the jokes and the references in a way that was like, okay, of course, it's a story from here. So yeah, that was super special. And now it's, it's going around to like these, um, um, when we were in Germany, we were playing quite a few times. Um, in Italy, it's playing in Muscat, I think, this, uh, this weekend. Cool. Um, strangely though, none of the A-list festivals won it. I, I was, I was, we were talking about that the other day. I was wondering why. For one, it's half an hour. I couldn't have worked for four years and make a shorter film. But I, I realized that half an hour is, is not a good duration for a short film. But I also think, I mean, somebody was telling me this the other day, and I'm like, I think you're right. When it plays outside, we want, I think people want films that sort of um, meet sort of expectation of mm. what, what, Lebanon is supposed to be like or something like that and I think this one is trying to like uh, reverse engineer that that image like I think in a way there's a sort of deconstruction of that image I think I don't know it I feel like somehow it's it's like well that's not what we thought that you guys would do just you know make films about don't, don't put robots in your films I'm not sure I really don't know but sort of like the it's it's sort of going for more for um, like the festivals that either are connecting with it on, on some level, if there's like an Arab uh, f film festival mm -hmm. or, I don't know, maybe. Don't so know. like the fact that it isn't talking about the refugee crisis like directly or anything exactly. like straight on, like this yeah, is... Like, those are your issues, talk about them. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of films that we, <laughs> should, be, we should be making. Mm -hmm. What so. about in France? Have there been any... So Bites. hopefully, hopefully it's going to play in the Institut de Mondelab, and I'm looking forward to that <laughs> screening. <laughs> I hope, I hope it gets accepted there. But um, yeah, I'm interested. That's a premiere that that uh, I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Are you going? Do you think you'd, you would travel? I'd go to that one, yeah. <laughs> and do you feel, I mean, on, on that note, I just, like, I had a question about, like, do you think you need to be familiar with the historical, like with the historical background of this country and everything to appreciate the film? Like, do you think, you know, because Manivel's story is so tied to these particular moments in history, do you think, you know, someone that doesn't know a lot about the history of Lebanon, of Beirut, um, do you think they can connect to this story? Have you, you know... I'm going to ask you this question. Mm -hmm. Paula, tell me, how does it... How well, does I know, like, I didn't, I didn't grow up here. Like, I haven't, I didn't experience any... I have, like, a vague knowledge of what happened, but there were certain moments in the film that I didn't, you know, I wasn't familiar with this coffee, the coffee mm. spilling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a... What was that moment exactly? Like... Um, the coffee spilling thing was, was not, like, an actual historical uh, reference. But it was more about the way that they squabble. These politicians love to squabble on TV and then throw things at each other. <laughs> and so initially, I actually wanted to film that sequence in reference to, you know, we have this image of just politicians throwing, chucking chairs at each other and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, you know, obviously that, that he, that's going to happen when he's there and they're going to knock him down. 
But yeah, I mean, I, the hope the hope was that the at least the human story, which for me again is sort of more important than the the metaphor of this robot as a country. It's like the metaphor is established from frame one, and but then after that, I, I'm hoping that the human story between Bartan and Manivel, you know, these two friends and and their history together, can sort of carry the film across without you having to know every single reference. So. I hope I hope that's that that sort of comes through, and um, and then I don't know it's a way of learning the wrong history about Lebanon. <laughs> <laughs> What's next for you? Like uh, for the film, are you? I mean, I actually have been talking to a lot of people that have seen the film, and they really want it to be a feature. They were like, "Oh, I wish it was longer." Oh, like I wanted so. Yeah. What's on your mind late, lately? TV like... show. That's what I ah, want to do out of Medivel. Really? I want to do like a miniseries. I mean, there's there's quite a few. A lot, there's a lot of stuff that was cut out because mm -hmm. it's, like, it's a short film. And then I'm like, well, it's kind of not a feature. It's almost like we want to go into all his... You can kind of like stop at every point in history and have your own little story there. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there there is there's talk of doing something like that. Maybe we need some time off, me and Manivel, after the, like, maybe not go back to it straight away. Where is Manivel right now? Um, so right now he's in, he's in a box in Germany. I have okay. bit, bits of him inside, but most of him is in a box in Germany. So yeah, the idea is sort of, we have this, we have this costume, we have this character, and maybe we can sort of, you know, do something with it. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that people want to see more of him. Um, and the comic, is that like aside for the moment? Of him? Of him, yeah. I don't know. I feel like a, a big part of it is sort of seeing these things and thinking they're kind of real. You know, mm -hmm. like I feel uh, one of the selling points of it being like a film is that we play it, you know, for real. And I think with the comic, it will definitely allow us uh, to do way more. Um, That would be too easy. Why would I do that? <laughs> um, so, no, I, I would rather, like, sort of get this archival footage and, and, you know, have this mix in there. And it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun sort of going in and rewriting history and sort of seeing, you know, uh, what you can do with the material that's available and how can we sort of fiddle around with it, you know. It's cool, mm -hmm. and I think in a way it's sort of... Um, It really makes us, uh, I think in some ways, like this is what, what I'm hearing from some people, it's like, well, I'd suddenly I can now connect with my history. It's not like this thing that's, uh, you know, left in class. There's just something about the way that we sort of deal with our history, and it's specifically in Lebanon, and the way that our history books, you know, tell the story of the, of the country that is very much removed, that really has this, uh, you know, it's... Um, It, it, it just keeps it, it keeps it at arm's length. And I think part of what's nice about this actually going in there and saying, no, wait, what happens if we play around with it sort of makes, brings it so much closer to everyone. And uh, yeah, I think that's why it should stay as a film or some, some in that filmic language as opposed to a comic, mm -hmm. you know? Comics, I have other plans for comics. Mm. <laughs> it, it's comics are way easier. I mean, easier to make is just you and someone else, mm -hmm. maybe. And, and with the movie, it's like, okay, we need to get an army of people to mm -hmm. do this. And so I think it's, it's good to keep the comics, you know, to keep me sane. And, and then I'll just do these impossible to make films <laughs> for the rest of my life. <laughs> well, Fadi, thank you so much. Those are the questions I had, but I wanted to, like, 
leave the floor open if you want to say something, if you want to kind of like give any give out any links to our listeners, like maybe for your Twitter, for the for the film where they may be able to watch it if they're not in these countries. Like, is there gonna is it gonna be available online or something? Um, yeah, first of all, thanks a lot for this. This was loads of fun. Um, uh, it's it's totally nice to talk about like all of this, the, the, you know, the working process of this thing and what went through. My, I hope I wasn't like rambling too much. Not at all. So where people can see the film, let's see if I can remember these. It's playing in Muscat um, um, this weekend. It's also playing in the Global Art Forum, uh, which is, I think, on Saturday the 23rd. So again, this weekend in, in Dubai. Um, then it's going to be playing in Germany uh, a few times as a part of Al Film Festival. It's going to be also again as part of the Afaq. Uh, there's like a symposium about uh, sci-fi. And I get to go to these sci-fi symposiums. I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm talking about yeah. How do we how do we imagine the future? I'm like, well, I've been doing this since I was three. Let me tell you. Um, um, it's playing in Italy, it's playing in a number of places, I can't, I can't remember. But hopefully, eventually, we're going to... Uh, um, oh, it's also playing in Beirut uh, next month on the 10th in Dar al-Nimr, which is cool. I'm going to get another oh, cool. whack at like, uh, the Lebanese audience. Um, but I think the idea... So the, one of the people that saved us in the last minute when we completely ran out of money was um, this uh, Lebanese uh, company called Cinemos, their ah. video on demand. Um, and so really like they, they saved our lives and they're like, just play it in your festivals, go show it around. And then when we're done, we'll put it online and, you know, and host it at cinemas. So eventually it's going to end up there. And, uh, cool. And that's like a free streaming yeah. movie streaming service, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? That yeah. I know that I've heard. Yeah. So eventually it'll be there, but it's always nicer to watch it on like a massive screen rather on your laptop, no? Mm-hmm. So yeah, come do both. <laughs> okay, awesome. So thank you. Thank you, Paula. Simon D Shatwan take seventeen. ما تعطي الهم نرجع نشيل هذا المقطع على المونتاج يلا <تصفيق>